Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener on our private feed where you'll have ad-free episodes and join us in Zoom meetups to meet other listeners of our podcast community. Go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes. You're about to listen to a Women in Tech Remix episode, where we present to you a curated selection of impactful clips from previous episodes that you may have missed. And be sure to follow the links in the show notes to listen to the full episodes. Three, two, one. My name is Esprit Devora, host of the Women in Tech show. The show means a lot to me. The reason why I wanted to create the Women in Tech show is I wanted to create a positive piece of content, something where people can listen and say, if she can do it, so can I. Hey, my name is Erica Kanna. I work over at Swell.is as the brand and content lead for a headless commerce company. I'm based in Montreal. Yeah, well, it's like that saying, like, comparison is the thief of joy, right? And we're building so many platforms where we're essentially defaulting to comparing ourselves to so many people or to other businesses so much of the time. And, you know, when we take that away and we bring ourselves back to the main essence of what it is that we're trying to accomplish or who we are as people, none of that matters anymore. 100%. But so hard to emotionally digest like consistently, but a hundred percent. So I just wanted to like ask you that jumping into how you became this leader that you are today. When did you first become interested in the tech world? Yeah, I think I've had a few of those moments. The first one was sort of like an inkling, a bit of like an intuition, like gut feeling that I had. I was working for an agency. It was like a brand strategy agency in the UK. I'm originally from Montreal and when I moved over, I didn't have a job yet and it was just something that just kind of happened. I worked with probably one of my favorite bosses at the time um, and we were working with a lot of e-commerce clients and we worked with a lot of e-commerce clients who had needs based in the Asia Pacific region. So it was like completely different buying experience, a completely different set of like needs. And it opened my eyes as to like possibility and what's out there. And I started working with a lot of different tech people at the time because we were like designing essentially what would be like the front end and all the branding stuff for some of these companies. And um, as we were creating that, I was working with a lot of developers. I was working with a lot of just different tech-minded people to see what was even possible from a tech perspective because we would come up with some concepts and then, you know, sometimes at the time, like they just fully were not things that we could do. And I just thought like, what an amazing industry to be part of and be able to produce work that doesn't even exist yet. And so when I came home, I really wanted to work in the tech field. It was an environment that was also growing in my hometown at the time. There was a lot of like AI companies coming out of Montreal at that time. And I started kind of carving out my own path in tech at that moment. And what I quickly realized in doing that was like, obviously not any one tech company is cut from the same cloth. And there's so much out there that you can work on that saying that you work for like an AI company, for example, is 
definitely not at all going to be the same experience as it would be if you're working on, say, for example, where I'm at now, like a headless commerce kind of company. And especially also understanding the different nuances between like different rounds of funding and the different like sizes of companies. Like there's so much to think about. So my journey kind of evolved throughout that. And then this past year, actually, I found myself having a moment where I was moving into my apartment that I'm in now and was going through just like general life changes. And I just figured like, okay, now is a really good time for me to ask myself what's really important to me and like how I really want to make my mark in this industry. And so it was kind of like, I would say between five and six years ago, up until very recently, where I decided like, this is where I want to plant my flag. And this is how I want to kind of see the industry evolve. And this is how I want to be involved in that. Hi everyone, my name is Kadesh Shakur and I work at Northwestern Mutual as a software engineer. I am based in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I think if someone was supposed to shadow me for a day, they'd be very bored. <laughs> I code, I code for most of the day. Most days in the week I am coding. And what, what, what does that mean? Our lovely project manager, he organizes our work into what is called sprints, which is basically just like two weeks of work that we need to do. And so I will pick up a ticket from that sprint and work on it. It could be as simple as um, fix the text content on this button on the page, but a button is never a button. So <laughs> it could take days to do, but so I'll pick up a ticket and I'll work on the ticket. Many days I have like meetings, so team meetings, external organizational meetings, meetings about meeting. So some days I'm meetings about meeting. (laughs) Like on Thursdays, it's just from 10 a.m. to like 2 or 3 p.m. It's just meetings. And so I don't do any like work work. (laughs) I just be in meetings and do trainings. But a typical day look like so at 10 a.m we have stand up which is just a team meeting how are you doing what did you work on yesterday do you have any issues do you have any concerns after our stand-up meeting then i get to work so i pick up a ticket and i work on the ticket all day which is great i don't have to talk to anyone i don't have to fix anyone's problems it's just me and the computer and i love it It's funny. It's very boring. (laughs) I think I forget what it's called. Time boxing. It's so important. Like Mm -hmm. Wednesdays, which today is Wednesday when we're recording this is my meeting day. And if I had meetings all week long, I feel it would be so disruptive. And I have Mm. some meetings here and there. But like I know on Tuesdays, I'm going to have my own space and time to handle what I need to handle. Yeah. So it's really important to be intentional with our time and to batch things as much as possible. In your day-to-day work life, what's one tool, website, app, software that you just absolutely love and can't live without? Yeah. So one thing that really helps me as a junior developer is keeping notes on the things I'm learning and the problems I encounter. So I use the Microsoft app. What is it called? OneNote. So I use OneNote to keep track of all my days. So like at stand up, I know exactly what I did 
um, last January because everything is documented. And that helps me to not only grow, but it helps me to, if I come across the same issue, I can go back to my notes, I can search it, which makes it super easy. And I can also, for my reviews, I can pull up everything I did for the year and say, hey, manager, here's all the wonderful things I did, um, which is what I did last year. And I had an excellent review, which is wild. I was like, wow, I did a lot of work. Um, (laughs) No, I'm actually really glad you brought that up because it's what I was going to share if you hadn't brought it up was utilizing all those notes that you have from OneNote do help so much in the review process to get a raise, to get acknowledged. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Because I don't think we talk about that enough. Like, how can someone truly empower themselves to make it a no-brainer for leadership to say, we want to promote you, we want to accelerate you? Hi, everyone. My name is Liza Goldberg. I'm a student at Stanford University and a research scientist at NASA Goddard Space Flight Center. And at NASA, I use satellites to monitor global changes in tropical forests. I'm based in Washington, D.C. What we're trying to do with the Clouds Across Room project is to give them different tools that they might not be used to. It's not a news article. It's not a textbook so that they're able to visualize it in a more effective way and feel like they actually tangibly understand how climate change is making an impact today in different communities around the world, even if its impacts aren't so obvious in their own community. That's definitely my first dream, and it's a dream that I've been working towards for a while. And and I think we're certainly getting there, not just with this project, but with other global climate change education projects around the world. I think this next generation and my current generation, too, really is knowledgeable about the climate crisis and really has been given the tools and is making the tools for themselves to solve it. That's, I think, my first dream. So there's no block in your first dream because you're you're going after it, right? Or am I missing anything? <laughs> so of course, of course, there are blockages to to every dream. You know, uh, if there if there wasn't an obstacle, it probably would have already been achieved. I think one of the biggest inequities I see in the world is the inequity of connectivity. Um, so we see communities across the world, especially in the global south, that simply don't have the access to resources that they need to understand these sorts of global crises. And in that case, how can we expect them to want to be educated about climate change or need to be educated about a global crisis when there are so many more immediate challenges that we need to address first? So it's a pretty big obstacle, to be honest. But in order for them to to really get involved in these sorts of programs, um, there are major steps that need to be taken um, to eliminate these inequities and make sure that um, resource distribution, even internet access, is distributed in an equitable way um, across the world. And your second dream? Uh, so throughout my time at NASA, I've worked um, pretty heavily in remote sensing-based analysis of ecosystems. So I've worked uh, specifically in mangrove ecosystems, which are kind of like tropical wetlands. You can see them in the Everglades, for example, and they're one of Earth's most valuable ecosystems in terms of the amount of carbon that they're able to store and also the amount of ecosystem services that they're able to give to communities around the world. I'm moving slightly into more terrestrial forests now, things like rainforests. But my dream is to have a monitoring program where we're able to essentially analyze all changes across the world in terms of deforestation, in terms of land use, in terms of um, urbanization. And we can see all of that literally in real time. And it's done in a way for anyone, regardless of their backgrounds um, in remote sensing and, and in ecology, to be able to you know, go on this global map and actually see, see those changes occurring. Um, and I think this sort of global monitoring program is definitely something that people are already reaching towards. All you know, scientists around the world, like myself, are working 
in different aspects, individual aspects of the Earth system. You know, I'm working solely on the deforestation side. Other people are working solely on the urbanization side. But I think it would be really cool if we could actually combine all of those aspects together and work together to make you know, sort of a global portal where anyone is able to go to see these changes for themselves. Um, in terms of obstacles, that is a lot of data, um, and we need a lot of high-resolution data, too. Um, but the great news is I'm actually pretty optimistic about this goal, um, just because I think the data revolution is, is really outstanding, especially in the field of remote sensing. We have so many, you know, even small companies coming up, things like CubeSats, SmallSats across the world that are really pushing these uh, sorts of high-resolution data sets uh, to get out there and, and to get out there with minimal cost. Um, so we're definitely getting there. The Women in Tech podcast is hosted and produced by me, Esprit Devora, With help from Janice Geronimo. Edited by Corey Jennings. Production and voiceover by Adam Carroll. And music from Jay Huffman Live and Epidemic Sound. The Women in Tech podcast is a wearetech.fm production. Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener, go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes.